What's happening, everyone? Sam Brief here with the Fresh Mental Game Podcast. And today I've got Zach Narrier on the podcast, someone who is a longtime veteran of professional baseball, a former high draft pick for the Arizona Diamondbacks and now in the American Association of Pro Ball, an MLB partner league where he's playing as a star center fielder for the Cleburne Railroaders deep in the heart of Texas. Now, Zach's story is really interesting because he's someone who was drafted high with high expectations, and it didn't work out in his major league system with the D-backs. And now he's in independent baseball trying to make it back and make a name for himself and realize the dream of making it to the majors. But he dealt with anxiety at first. He's dealt with the rigors, the grind, the constant need to perform, need to succeed. And he didn't really start finding joy in baseball, right? In the sport he loves until he started finding joy in the little things in life, in branching out in doing things like going to museums and these bite-sized little pieces and finding that joy. And someone who knows all about that is my proud partner from Never Alone, Paul Marlowe. Paul, I know that Zach's story is something that you can relate to. Damn, definitely, man. Um, I... Actually, just thinking about it, it's I'm kind of in reverse of him at this moment. Uh, I definitely was in the same spot. I can relate 100% when I was playing college ball and I did get drafted. And I was a teen in high school and I was like getting potentially drafted, having, you know, scouts for dogs look at me, going to a game, having 30 scouts there. It was in grade, sophomore, three All-Americans. And it's like, this is what's happening. Here I am. I have this. And the stress uh, started building up then, which I didn't realize. And pretty much from that moment on, I didn't really enjoy baseball as much. I didn't enjoy it as a sport. I think the last seven years of me playing, like it was due to potential and what I should be doing in scouts and other people's eyes. But it wasn't what I was actually putting out on the field. And I could feel that pressure. Now, where it comes kind of a 180 is I stopped playing ball. After, after like college, I didn't touch baseball for six years. Like I had no love for the sport. I didn't watch it on TV. I didn't really do any sports. I just started working out. I didn't like sports in general. But ever since Never Alone started, and really Never Alone started because of my mental health struggles and being kind of in a low of all lows, once I started making my way out of my lows and starting to, I started to accept failure. I've talked about this before. Like, I don't care if I fail because I'm going to learn from it and succeed. When I was an athlete, I couldn't fail because if I failed, then I'd lose all opportunity I had. But now with this different mindset and this different outlook on life, like, yeah, let's fail. I want to fail because I want to succeed. And that is how Never Loans gotten here. I didn't know what I was doing when I built this brand up. I didn't understand what I was doing when I started the clothing line. I didn't understand when I dropped the clothing line and started focusing on business and SEO. Um, and then here with you today, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to try to make it happen and see how it goes. Um, so if I do, quote unquote, fail, I won't fail too hard. And I can learn from that failure and take a bigger bite off next time. Um, and also, if we, man, if we get stuck in one thing too hard, your head's strong in this one area, like an athlete, like all you do is baseball, and all you do is that, it's going to burn you out in time, most likely. We have to be real people, right? 
I tell people all the time, I'm a broadcaster. I love what I do. It's it's my lifeblood. It's amazing. I love it. But I am who I am, not what I do. You're the same way. Zach Narrier is the same way. And now let's go on to the man himself. The next guest on the Mental Game Podcast is Zach Narrier. Zach Narrier joins us on the Mental Game from the biggest hotel in the continental United States, the Holiday Inn Express in Fargo, North Dakota. I made this up, but Zach, from a very large hotel, how are you doing? I'm doing good today, Sam. Thank you for having me. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. And, and folks who have no idea what I'm talking about, Zach plays for the Cleburne Railroaders in the American Association of Pro Baseball, same league that I broadcast in with the Chicago Dogs. So Zach and I have frequented many of the same hotels across the league. And this hotel in Fargo is a behemoth. So he's in the business center right now, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Zach, I want to jump right into it. Tell me a time in your life or in your career where your mental game has been challenged. Um, I'll give you two specific uh, instances. The first one being... Um, the year I was released from the Diamondbacks in 2017, I made some major changes to my swing in that offseason going into the year, trying to help myself hit for more power. Um, and overdid the adjustments, was a strikeout or a pop up every at bat. It was hitting terrible. And about a month, in, month into the season, I got released. And, um, that was really tough because, you know, I'd found my identity in baseball without even realizing it up to that point. You know, when when a lot of people talk about it, too, in, in the space of sports, like once they are done, it's kind of like, well, who am I? So I had to struggle with that and, and work through that and kind of figure out what was going on. I actually worked as a carpenter for like seven or eight months after that happened because no one wanted to pick me up and give me an opportunity until I decided that following winter that I was going to continue to play. So I thought I had got through that and, you know, looked myself in the mirror enough and, and came to terms like, you know, baseball is not who I am. It's just what I do um, and what I love to do. But I hadn't, you know, I hadn't fully addressed that yet. And it wasn't until the COVID season in 2020 where I wasn't as prepared as I should have been and, you know, decided, you know, I, I got a little I got a little arrogant. I'm like, oh, you know, I might not be fully prepared and have the best offseason, you know, training and stuff, because I was in California when COVID hit, you know, everything closed. And I knew owners of gyms and, you know, batting cages and facilities and all this stuff. But I, I couldn't even get in to get any work in. You know, they wouldn't be like, hey, we can't let anybody here, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it was it was a big deal. And and you know, tough to get work. In. And when I got the opportunity to play, I was like, yeah, you know what? I've been planning to play all off. I'm like, let's go. Like I can, I can play. Like I'm great. Let's go. I can handle it. And we went out there and, and, you know, I think I hit 190 on the year. And that's my worst full professional season of my whole career. And the whole season, you know, I was kind of just like searching, you know what I mean? I was kind of trying, trying to find my feel where I was like, you know, or usually it's spring training in the first week or so of the season, you guys are trying to pick timing back at their feels right. But it took me, you know, 50, 55 games into 60 game season. So it didn't work out so well. And um, I remember getting to a point about 50 or 55 games in where I, uh, I literally got on my knees one night after a game, another 0 for four, two or three strikeouts. And now literally I was like praying to God, I was like, God, like I'm done. Like I am done. 
letting this dictate how I feel. Like I shouldn't feel great if I go one for three with a home run and a walk and terrible if I go for four, like it, it should not be that way because it's at the end of the day, it is just a game. Like we're just playing the game and it should not dictate how we feel. So um, it wasn't until that year with the milkmen, you know, that I really, you know, got over that hump and realized like, I have to just, you know, be who I am and then go play that game. You know what I mean? Go play baseball. So, and then the following few weeks, I started hammering balls and then had a great postseason. We ended up winning the championship. So I was just like, you know, that's yeah, real funny. Like as soon as I'm like, all right, I'm done with it. And then since then, it's kind of just been a lot of success and I'm very grateful for it. And, you know, it's, it's since then I've had a renewed mindset and been working harder to try and be present and, and develop a mental edge and, you know, just make sure my mind's where, where it needs to be um, to allow myself to be successful. So it's almost like changing your mindset worked. And one <laughs> yeah. detail you left out, Zach, is that you won MVP of the American Association finals. So you kicked butt in the playoffs, you won a championship and you were the most valuable player of the championship, all with this changed mindset. I'm really curious about what the mindset was like before that. I'm thinking before your release from the Diamondbacks, you were drafted by the D-backs, you come up, Kane County in 2017, you were in single A ball with the D-backs. What was your mindset like at that time? Um, well, I got to be honest with you, like, not as much anymore, but growing up, like I was a shy kid. Like I'm outgoing once you get to know me, but I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily the kid that was going to go out of my way to talk to a bunch of people that I didn't know. And that kind of, that kind of, I would say showed itself on the field because I always had good natural raw ability, but this, there was always like a little bit of disbelief in myself. There was like a lack, there was a lack of convicted belief in myself that I belonged and I was, I was worthy of having success on multiple levels all the way back into high school. You know, it's like, wasn't necessarily like the fear of striking out, but failure. So, so present in baseball, it's, it's tough to always be confident tough to kind of, you know, fake it till you make it or trick yourself when you are having those tough times. So when I was struggling so bad, it, you know, it's kind of like, well, well, this is baseball. And then when the good things would happen because they're less frequent, you're like, oh, that was awesome. Like a good thing happened, you know, instead of like expecting all the good things to happen and brushing the bad stuff off when it does happen. So, you know, back to high school, I remember in high school, I was like, all right, you know, my parents told me and I love my parents. They're like, hey, we don't have money for you for college. So, you know, do your best to get a scholarship. And I was like, all right, let's go. So I was trying to get a scholarship from when I was in high school, didn't end up getting one, um, played junior college ball. And my first year in junior college, six of my teammates got drafted. And that was the first time I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm good enough. You know, I, I, I could play pro baseball because these six guys got drafted. Like I'm right there with them. Like, but until that point, I had never really bought into the fact that I could be a professional baseball player. I was wanting to get to the big league since I was a little kid, but I never fully believed that I was capable. So it just, there just was never like a convicted belief that like, I can do it. I belong. And then when they got drafted, I was like, Oh dude, I'm going to get drafted. Like, let's go. Like I can go play pro ball. You so needed second, that catalyst to know yeah. it's possible. Hey, someone like me is doing this. It's not just the Mike Trouts and Albert Pujols is of the world playing pro ball. Like these are my friends. 
hundred percent. And people put all these guys in the big leagues on pedestals. And don't get me wrong, like some of these guys are insane. Like they're really great and they're there, they're there for a reason. Um, but at the end of the day, they're just guys. They're guys that are a little bit more consistent at locating that little white ball or a little more consistent at squaring it up with a bat, you know. So it's 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 a funny game. But yeah, I, I did need that catalyst and it kind of, you know, allowed me to believe in myself more and didn't get the opportunity to get drafted my sophomore year, had a good year, went to Houston Baptist um, my junior year and struggled. But I put so much pressure on myself because in my in my eyes, you know, my freshman year, I saw those guys do well and get drafted. My sophomore year, I didn't get drafted. So my junior year, after I transferred, I put more pressure on myself. I was like, I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. And I ended up having a bad year. So great year, sophomore year, bad year, junior year. And then senior year, kind of similar to what we talked about, you know, um, taking the pressure off myself, not putting so much into the, you know, into each day. Like my senior, I was like, all right, you know, if I try to do that again this year and put so much pressure on myself, like I'm not going to have success. So um, I played a little more free and easy um, and ended up having a great year my senior year and then had the opportunity to get drafted. But um I, I forget what was what was the initial question. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Just like there. what your young mindset was, and you're giving me a little window into that, and transitioning yes. into getting drafted. Because there's the moment where you realize you can get drafted. Then there's the moment where you actually do. Suddenly, you're getting paid to play baseball. You see the realistic path towards getting to the majors. What's the mindset? Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, that's why I started back there. Okay. So initially. I didn't believe that I had what it took and, you know, I had, I needed that catalyst. So I, I bought in and I still believe that I belong and deserve an opportunity. So my senior year, I finally got that. And then once I got into pro professional baseball, you know, I was older age wise, cause I was a senior out of college. So I was 22 when I got drafted. Um, but you know, that's, it's considered like older as a draftee, but you know, in my mind, I was still immature and younger, you know, I was still like, like I've always, been very very coachable and, and never thought that you know I'm not a, I'm not a prideful person and I've never thought like oh you know I know I know everything like this person can't help me so I've always been really interested to hear from different people as soon as I got into the Dynamax organization I was like okay I need to be a sponge these are pro coaches and this you know this manager knows everything and these guys like the, anything they tell me like it's going to help me for sure which Word of God. they do they do have a lot of knowledge but that's not necessarily the case, you know, because there's a lot of people that are going to try and tell you something, but as a player, you have to be your own coach and figure out what's actually going to work for you and what's going to be applicable and help you improve. You know what I mean? And no one's trying to cause harm, but it's like, you got to, you look through all that. And I think to a fault, I was a little too coachable and was like trying to do everything. And, and I would, I would believe everything. So even in pro ball, when I got there, like, there's still that, that no matter what, like we all have that all have that little voice in your head. And if like, if we don't, if we think we don't like ask yourself here and then whoever's listening to this, they're going to be like, do I have a little voice in my head? Like that's your little voice in your head that you just, that you just listen to. Um, like in typically it's negative. So once I got in the Dimebacks organization, like I still would let myself get a little intimidated by other people, you know, first rounders, whatever it may be like guys that were higher picks. Cause I was just a senior sign and like, instead of having that like chip on my shoulders, like, Oh, I got to prove myself. But, like there was still that always questioning, like, do I belong? Like, do I really belong? I remember my first spring training, I got called up to back up a few big league games and I'm sitting in the locker with AJ Pollock and Paul Goldschmidt and all these guys, you know what I mean? Like all stars. And in my head, I'm like, am I on this level? Like, can I get to where they're at? You know, like, instead of being in like 
you know, like, yeah, these are just guys. Like I can do this. I just got to get more consistent. And that makes you more of a sponge. And there's a really important point in that, because I think right now, not only do people have their own mentors and friends and parents and coaches, but everyone can be a mentor on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, right? There's a paralysis of advice, right? You can seek advice at any time, anywhere from anyone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of advice is great. I mean, I've gotten some, some bang up advice, but I've also gotten some pretty crappy advice and everyone has to find what works for them. And it's really interesting to hear you use that phrase that you were like too much of a sponge. And it sounds like part of that was coming from that little voice in your head telling you, Hey, I need to be a sponge because I'm not as good as Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's like, it, and, and it, it's almost like you don't believe it until you see it. So unless I was going to put up a year or three thirty with 20, I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not him. I can't be, you know, how good is it? as good as these guys are. But um, so I say all that stuff to a fault and it, and it, and it did hurt me. You know, one of my, one of my years, I, uh, you know, I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. I had a manager who I just got promoted and thought I was doing well. I'd fought through a little bit of adversity with an injury, stuff like that. And um, I got called up to another level and, you know, I believe he's trying to motivate me and he's like, Oh, well, I, I wouldn't have called you up, you know, you know, I don't know if you're ready to be at this level. Da, da, da. And in my head, I just started second guessing everything's like, well, if, if my manager doesn't think I should be here or, or and he was just trying to motivate me, you know what I mean? Like, oh, come on, like, like, show me something. But in my head, I'm like, oh, my manager is questioning whether I should be here or not. Like, if he doesn't think I belong, he's my manager, then I definitely don't belong. Like, he should he should be, like believe in me, you know, so. I, I took that down went down a bad rabbit hole with that started second guessing my ability and all this stuff and you know not really talking about that or do you, do you try to deal with all internally you know and um it ate at me you know and and instead of putting that chip on my shoulder going, you know what I'm going to show you it was like well do, do I belong and like this was still an a ball like and if I don't may if I maybe don't belong in a ball like how am I going to get to the big leagues so I started struggling with that and kind of from that point on, like it was tough. And like looking back, that's just, you know, I, I laugh because I'm like, I literally just let my own, I let myself psych myself out and like overthink everything and, and buy too much into, and that's just one example, buy too much into things. It's one of a few examples, but it's like, that's where you got to like, you know, sift through the weeds and figure out what's going to help, what's going to hurt. And I wish I would have known and had a better renewed mindset at that point to know like, okay, an opinion, this is something someone said, but I don't have to let that be my reality. A lot of people nowadays, like let what other people say become the reality and it it doesn't have to be that way. So um, like, like that's where I go back to saying in my head, I was young, I was considered older, but in my head I was young. So I was a few years into meeting with the Diamondbacks and I'm mid twenties and you know, that's considered, you know, average age or older for the levels I was at, but in my head, I was still immature on a professional level, in my opinion. And I've done a lot of growing mentally since then. So, you know, I, I pray to God, I hope I get another opportunity to affiliate to baseball, but it's, it's, I kick myself in the butt for, you know, handling it how I did. A lot of people, Zach, don't realize what the process is like for a player like you, because fans follow the draft. They see their favorite team draft a player. And then it's like that, that guy falls off the face of the earth, goes, somewhere tbd for a few years and then if they're good enough i'll see them in my home ballpark one day and buy their jersey and root for them 
Mm-hmm. Those years go really unnoticed, undercovered, and underappreciated from a growth standpoint. You're giving me a window into what it was like for you. So I'm curious what you think fans don't realize about what it's like for a guy like you going through the minors and the way you're thinking. Um, pertaining to just like mindset or like lifestyle, how, like, how, like what you got to go through the day in day out, what exactly More mindset, but I want to let you take this where you think is best. Uh, well, it's tough. I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's glitz and glamor and everyone wants to be your friend and, and, you know, talk to you when you get drafted or something awesome happens. But a lot of people don't understand, like it's still baseball. It's 70% failure. It's seven well, now they cut some of the rookie ball. They cut the rookie ball that was out. So now it's like five. It's like, they don't realize it's at that time, it was, you know, Arizona league, um, two rookie ball levels, and then a low, a high, a double, a triple, a, you're looking at six, seven levels. You got to work through before you get to the big leagues. A lot of people see like, Oh, you got drafted. Like, Oh, you know, when are you going to be in on TV? Like, Oh, it doesn't work like that. And it's like, Oh, so you're not in pro ball yet. And it's like, well, it is pro ball, but it's, it is. it's, minor league and we got to, you know, prove ourselves and work up the ranks. So um, it, it can be tough. I mean, it's, it's, you deal with a lot of different personalities and people that you play with, you know, you're away from your friends, you're away from your family and, and baseball is a long season. If you include like fall league or instructionally stuff with an organization plus spring training, plus the four and a half, five month season, it's, it's more than half a year, you know, plus people, a lot of people don't understand what goes into it too. Like I laughed last night, we had some hecklers in Fargo, like, yelling at me and a couple other people some of our pitchers and stuff and um a couple of our guys got a little upset with them you know they they had a little too much to drink and we're saying things but it's like people don't understand you know we're on the road long hours we have to do our best to eat well with the you know little bit of meal money we've got and you know get our rest get our sleep get our workouts in put all our work in they just see the three hours on the field but there's so much more that goes into it you know, we're, we're spreading ourselves thin during the season and in the off season to make sure we can get our work in. So it's tough. It's tough not to get worn out. Um, you know, from a mindset, it's, it's, I wish I would have been like this when I wasn't affiliated baseball, but it's really tough to not look at the finish line and be like, that's so far away, you know, but cause like, like I said, like there's so many levels and you're like, Oh, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. But you're going to be so much better off. And I think this is how it is in life too, with anything, whatever job you have, you got to be just focused on today because, and you'll hear Kobe Bryant and, and Jordan, and a lot of people, like a lot of the greats have talked about it. It's like, if you're looking at anything too far out in the future, like you're, you're missing this moment. So you got to focus on this pitch, this play and handle it right now. And, and I've been trying not trying. I've been doing that the last couple of years of my life, not only in baseball, but also in life and, you know, reap tons of benefits from it. So it's, it's, it, it plays a huge role. And I'm a big believer in presence and like being focused on right now, because if you're not focused on right now, you're not putting forth your best effort and giving yourself the best opportunity to succeed no matter what you're doing. And when you have a 99 mile an hour fastball screaming into your body, or, you know, your body space, hopefully in the strike zone, if you're not present, you're not hitting that ball. No way. Not at all. And that's one of the that's one of the biggest things too. It's like, and I get I get, you know, um, I get caught up on it too. But it's like, it's some one thing I've been telling the young guys that because we got a good handful of rookies on our team this year. It's it's one thing I've been telling them. It's like if you're not fully convicted in the speed that you're looking for, whether it's like a fastball or an off speed pitch, 
and you're and you're not thinking about just seeing that baseball if you're thinking about like oh are my hands in the right spot or is my body doing the right thing like you're not going to see it and you're not going to be able to barrel it like, yeah you'll get lucky a few times but you can't get lucky over the course of a season so you have to be locked in on what you're trying to do and you know fully in tune and fully focused on what it is you're trying to do in that moment yeah, the present moment is the most important thing. Some people get caught up in the past. Some people get caught up in the future. Some people both. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a future guy myself in, in always kind of living in the next day and the next year. And then I'm like, hey, I'm right here. And, you know, while you're down on the field, I'm up in the broadcast booth. And just like you got to be in that moment, I got to be in that moment, because if I'm doing the play-by-play of Zach Narrier at the plate and my mind is on what time I have a meeting next Thursday, mm-hmm. I'm not going to call that play very well. So it's, it's important in a lot of walks of life, but I, I, sports definitely serve as a microcosm. And Zach, you have changed your mindset a lot. Something I'm really intrigued by is the concept of baseball is – what I do, not who I am. So I'm talking to you today. You're in Fargo. You went three for five with two doubles last night. So we were chatting. All right. You're, you're, I had a good game last night. Pretty good. But if you went 0 for five with five strikeouts, I think you would still be you, right? You, you, maybe you wouldn't tell me you had a good game, but you wouldn't be like down in the dumps crying, canceling on me. So <laughs> take me no. through that. I'd be a little more frustrated, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be a little more frustrated, maybe, but no, I I, you can't I can't let it dictate how I feel. Um yeah, I mean it's it's a funny thing, but similar to like what we were just talking about a minute ago. It's like if you're not focused on the present moment, you're not putting putting forward your best effort and best opportunity to succeed. So it's like Chase Simpson, who I know you're familiar with, he's been in this league for a few years as well. Uh, one of my battery mates with the real rotors, he, uh, he, um, he and I have a thing that we started last year and it's uh, there's a book called it takes what it takes by Trevor Moad. And he actually passed away from cancer, unfortunately, but he was the mental coach for Russell Wilson and a lot of other people. And he wrote this book. It takes what it takes. And a lot of it's focused on presence and influencing your subconscious mind and kind of like how just, influencing your stuff to negative stuff even if it's not directly you being negative it it does influence you like it 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 has an effect on how you feel how you think and um one thing that um he didn't say it specifically but it's like being locked in on this present moment so like one thing i started doing with chase last year was like every time i would get out or hit or whatever like it wouldn't matter i would just be like hey oh for oh so like after every at bat whether like I had a double or struck out or whatever it is. Like we would remind each other, Hey, Oh, for Oh, basically like your next bats your first about of the day, regardless of a good or bad result. Yeah. If you had a home run or double or something like that, you're going to take that confidence and that feeling into the next bat. But if something bad did happen, you flush it. And like, that's something I've been trying to tell all the young guys too. This year's like, Hey, Oh, for Oh, like, what are you talking about? That, that bad didn't happen. Even if they get a double, like, Hey, nice hit. And, or I'll say nice hit. And then the next day I'll come up to them and start talking to them. Like, Hey, they'll say something like, yeah, but my bat was like, you talking about it didn't happen you're 0 for 0 so it's like um sorry i know we're talking about identity and it's like what i do and not who i am no, but, that's great uh, the 0 for 0 yeah so so but that's just it's a good little nugget that helps um it, it and, really does i think people can learn from athletes to an extreme degree right i mean 
in baseball, you're challenged constantly to stay in the moment and focus on what's next. So if someone's listening to this and they have a job where say they have a great day or a bad day or they screw something up or they get yelled at, well, you know what? You get up the next day and you do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's o not fair o. to my wife. Oh, for oh. Like, yeah, it's not fair to my wife if I have a bad game and then I want to be in a crabby mood all night and the next morning. Like, that's not okay. You because know what I mean? That's I more be who fun. you are, right? I, I take being being a good husband is more important to who you are than being a baseball player. 100%. 100%. And, you know, I... I'm a believer. I'm a Christian man. And, and, you know, God teaches that we're you know supposed to be love and our identity should be, you know, in God. So I try to love God and love people and um, letting how you play on a field or letting how you do take baseball out of it, letting how you do in any job. Like you just said, like if I have a bad day at work, we shouldn't let like people often do it, especially in our society. And, and today it's like people go home and let that ruin their family life or that at home life, or they take that, Oh, but it's like, we don't have to let that happen. We literally have control. You know, some people talk about having that time to drive home to decompress from work or whatever it is. And that's a good thing to have. And um, that's like their opportunity. And some people talk about that. That's my opportunity to like get rid of work, flush it, and then go home and then be a dad or be a husband and be a wife, be, you know, a son, whatever I can be. And um, for me, you know, I just, I try to love God, love people, um, always have good character, um, that's another thing too. No one's going to remember a three for five with two doubles, but my teammates are going to remember how I treated them in the dugout. They're going to remember the effort I put forth and how I carried myself. But they're not going to remember like accolades. You know what I mean? No one does. And like some of the guys I still have good relationships with, it's like, I'm not good friends with them or I don't still talk to them because they hit a couple home runs. I talk to them because they're a good person and they led with, you know, who they were, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's, that's basically where I'm at. <laughs> I'll use you as a great example. And I'm a guy who's supposed to be on top of the numbers, right? I'm a broadcaster. I'm a media member. I should know your career numbers. However, when I first got to know you, it was the 2020 season, that shortened pandemic year. I was, of course, broadcasting. But the dogs, you were in Milwaukee with the Milkmen. And we played like every huh. day. I mean, half this summer was dogs versus Milkmen. And can I interrupt you for one yeah. second? All yeah. right. Um, funny story about that. I was so pissed. I did not want to play you guys that much because up until that season, like in 18 and 19, for whatever reason, I had trouble against the dogs hitting wise. And I was like, gosh, we got to play them like every day. It seemed like we play you guys every day. So like, but, but see, but look, that, that me thinking that and go like, oh, we have to play the dogs a lot. That could have influenced my play and might have been one of the reasons that I had such a bad year. But go on, I just said. showing like, I let I let a little thing on. Oh, I've ha- I haven't had success in the past against them. Influence my future. I wasn't locked in and like, okay, past doesn't matter. I didn't used to have that mindset. You know what I mean? So sorry. Carry on. But yeah, you you let sorry. the past influence your present. Hundred percent. But that's beside the point. You were really nice and affable and out there. And so in my mind now, like two years later, and thinking of that season as a total thing of the past. I perceive you as like a 2020 stud. So then when you come on and you're like, oh yeah, 2020 was the worst year of my career. And I look at the numbers, I'm like, oh shit, it was. But I <laughs> thought he was like Mr. Superman in 2020. So it's interesting how you can change the perception of 
how you're performing just by being a nice guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, like, I mean, and that was, that was before, you know, I, I kind of had that realization towards the end of the season where I'm like, you know, this doesn't have to dictate how I feel. So I didn't necessarily feel great all the time, but kind of like we said before, that doesn't mean that doesn't, if something doesn't go well for you, I mean, I'm a strong believer in this. Something doesn't go well for you. That doesn't give you the excuse or the right to mistreat other people. And not that you're saying people would, if they had a bad game, but it's like, it, if like, why would I let that negativity bleed into every other area of my life and give that to other people? And it's like, so often you feel that and you can, you can just sense the energy from other people um, in so many other walks of life where they do that, but it's, it's not warranted, you know, and that's where your character comes into it. And, you know, I guess I was better at it than I had anticipated, but not letting, you know, how you were playing dictate how you feel, I guess, more often than not, I was, but um, I did a, did a good enough job still treating other people well. So that's good. It's good to hear. You fooled me. <laughs> so, Zach, something about baseball, really at any level, is you're displaced from home, right? You're a SoCal guy who's playing now in Cleburne, Texas, who played that summer we're talking about up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right now, you're in the business center at the Holiday Inn, Fargo, North Dakota. Mm -hmm. What's the mindset like for you being far from home in that? Is it something you're used to now? Do you still struggle with it? How's that been? Well, it's uh, well, home now isn't as far. I actually live in Houston now. So I live in Sugarland, Texas, Mm -hmm. right across the street from the Skeeter Stadium. Um, formerly the Atlantic League team. Now they're with the Astros AAA team. But from SoCal, all my family, but my mom and brother still live there. My mom and brother are in Tennessee now. But um, after I got released and came into the American Association, um, one of my friends from college, um, she was able to come see me when we played in Cleburne. And we actually started dating. And in 2019, um, you know, at our, our relationship began and she's now my wife. So knew it. How, I knew it. How, when you started how. that sentence and you said one of my friends from college, I was like, okay, this is about to be the wife. Knew it. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, you know, we we're friends in college and it was um, an opportunity, you know, in, in 2019, I was actually slated to be in Lincoln in 2019 because I got traded after the wing that's folded to Lincoln and that off season, you know, I was like, you know, I really like the opportunity to be closer so we can, you know, establish a good relationship, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I got traded back to Cleburne and uh, we dated that whole season and, you know, not too much later, we got engaged in 2020 and, you know, married the following year. So everything's great on that front. And it's like, you know, if, if I hadn't got released, would that ever even happen? You know, if I didn't end up in, you know, with the opportunity to go play in Cleburne and, you know, us get to date, like, would we be married? You know, if I didn't end up at Houston Baptist, which I didn't even know Houston Baptist University existed when I was in junior college, I would have never met her. You know what I mean? And instead of trying to go to a bigger squad, you know, it was like, all right, D1, good competition, you know, good offer. Like, let's go, let's do it. So it's just, it's funny, you know, it's, it's funny how everything works out and, um, you know, God definitely had a plan in all this. So things have worked out at this point, how they were supposed to. So just, you know, that's another thing, you know, I told you I'm a believer earlier. It's like, let go and my God, it's like, 
I really don't have a lot of control of my future anyway. So why am I going to stress about it? You know, I can, I can trust that there's a plan for me and do my best to be present today and put my best foot forward with the abilities and gifts that I've been given and let my hard work play out and um, just see where things end up. But yeah, Cleveland, Texas. Um, it, I will say though, it is, and you can probably tell just by talking to me and, and getting to know me last few years, like I'm a big people person. And I know I said, I was like shy growing up, but my families, I have a huge family. We're all insanely tight. So it has been tough. And even still, since we've been married, like it's tough being away, you know, and having all my family in other States. Like I wish I had more opportunity to be closer to them and, and have more time to talk with them and thank God for technology because you know, a FaceTime or a phone call, it's like e very easily accessible. And, um, you know, that's another thing like mental health wise, you know, you, you got to make sure you make time to talk to people, you know, good or bad. It's, it's, it's very important, you know, and, and something I saw, you know, not just, you know, for myself, but other people, especially when COVID happened, it's like, you see how important that um, those relationships and that conversation, and that time spent together really is because a lot of people like were affected very negatively mentally by that year and not being able to go see people or have dinner with friends. And, you know, I think, I don't know what it was, I think there was limits on how many people you could have over your house for Thanksgiving the following year. It's just like, it's, it plays a big role. So it's very important to make sure you have those relationships. You have people to talk to, whether it is a family member or a friend, you know, loved one, whatever it may be. So it's, it's, it's been very, I've been very fortunate like to have technology and have opportunities to do something like this with family members and friends back home, because, you know, it's like we talked about earlier, it's like what we do isn't who we are, but you know, how we treat people and the impact we have in others' lives like that is. So um, it's, I've always been a big family man. I, you know, I miss them all the time and I miss all my family and friends daily, but it's, it's, it's good to have an opportunity to talk to them still. People are what makes us in a lot of ways. I mean, we are social creatures. If you go back in time to the beginning of life and, you know, human life, people who were isolated did not turn out well. Like people who are social did turn out well. You want to be social. And that 2020, I mean, I think about doing our jobs. It was not the same, you know, with, with the restrictions in place. I wasn't even allowed in the clubhouse. I mean, that's a big part of it is being on the bus, being in the clubhouse, hanging out with people. I would just kind of go up and throw my mask on, lock myself in the booth and call the game and then go home and wash my hands. Right. That's that, yeah. it was not, not a way fun. to live, <laughs> not a way yeah. to live. I mean, I was in like a tin box at the top of the park by myself and I often am now. But before and after I'm like chit chatting with with you guys and, and my fellow broadcasters and it's way more fun. And I imagine as a player, it's the same thing. So Zach, I'm curious about this because I've told you this a few times, normal people. And in, in my world, I'm just defining normal people as non-athletes. Normal people can learn a lot from you guys. You're very smart people. Give a piece of advice to someone who's not an athlete. Oh, just anything. Anything, uh, Zach. Um, Even if it's not mental health, I'll say. Anybody that's not an athlete. Yeah, what can they learn uh, from you and your peers? I would say just know that you have a choice to control how you feel. Like, you, you, you ultimately 
like I tell the kid, the kids that said I coach, it's like, who's making you feel crappy about your last two or three at bats when you go up to the plate? Who's making you not feel confident when you go into a game? It's them. And then they like, they laugh, they go me, you know, it's like, but that's so true. You know, I, I like with, you know, a family member or whoever maybe, or some of my friends, like we talk about stuff or I talk about stuff with a lot of people, but it's like, at the end of the day, we are dictating how we feel. So don't ever lose sight that you have the control over that. So, you know, like kind of like we talked earlier, like good or bad, whatever's going on. It's like, do what you need to do. Take a few deep breaths. Like breathing is a huge thing. Like if, if someone's overwhelmed or stressed out, like literally breathing will calm you down and people just don't, people don't utilize that. It's an awesome tool, but stay in the moment, breathe and, and remember that whatever's happening it can be the worst thing in the world you can still dictate and control how you feel you know not that breathing and just thinking that is going to fix all wounds but it's like stay present and and remember that you ultimately have the power to decide so don't lose sight of that and you have the power to say i'm o for o i love that 100 percent. and we've talked for about 45 minutes here zach and the number one takeaway i've got and i'm sure Everyone listening to this podcast has something different, but for me, it's the concept of O for O. So whatever it is you do, if you have a good day, you're O for O. Bad day, you're O for O. And that's not to say you shouldn't celebrate, right? In 2020, Zach, you won the championship. You were the MVP. You celebrated, as you should. I mean, we should always celebrate the big and small victories in life, and we should all give ourselves the freedom to have a crappy day and say, damn, I'm frustrated. But mm-hmm. that's a fleeting moment. And, and after that, you're 0 for 0. You know, if, you, if you're mm-hmm. going home to be a husband or a father, go do that. Um, go be who you want to be, whatever that means. And, and don't let the stat define you, whatever the stat is. So that's my takeaway from you, Zach, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I got Yeah, one, one more thing. So I'm with with uh chase simpson we're watching yeah. man in the arena right now it's tom brady's documentary on like kind of the it's like a 10-part series on like it's his good. life and mostly his career yeah it's really good um you get a little insight to like how he uh-huh. does things and talks about things and he's talking about the i think 2016 season and he missed the first four games because deflate gate you know the balls that were may or may not have been deflated i'm not sure but he it was briefly suspended and, uh, and I'm not a Pats fan, but I am a Tom Brady fan. You know, anytime someone's leaving, having that much success, it leaves clues. And one of the things you talked about, I think it was, that was the year where they uh, came back from 28 to three to beat the Falcons. They came back yep. in the second half, like I think 24 minutes left in the game or something like that. And there's, there's a um, video of him talking about it. And it might've been in the game too, where he's like, we had to focus on this play and then this play, and then this play, just do their best to be the best they could be on that specific play. And that's kind of the O for O concept. It's like, and you know, that book I mentioned, it takes what it takes for Charmo. It's like when you focus and you, you're only locked in on right now, there's a huge compounding effect. You know, it's like saving a dollar a day over a long period of time, like with, you know, with interest in a bank, it's like over a long period of time, you're going to see that compound or 1% better every day. It's, it's there's a lot of compounding that happens. So if you do your best on this play and this play and this play, or this at bat and this at bat and this at bat and this at bat, you don't focus about any other stuff. You block out all the other noise. Like you're going to be so much better off for it later down the road. And that's, that's just as true in life as it is in sports. So yeah, there you go. If, if Tom Brady was in his own head about 
how the hell they're going to come back from down 28-3, they wouldn't have done it. But if he just stayed in the moment, which he obviously did, and said, hey, let's try to get a touchdown here. Or, hey, Literally, he just said, he's like, hey, let's just get a touchdown. Like, like, how about a first down? Let's just score. Yeah, let's just score. As he talks about it, he's like, let's just score. Because they had been moving the ball down the field, but they weren't. They weren't scoring, and I think they had just a field goal. So he's like, "Let's just score. Let's just let's let's do our best this play, and let's let's get a touchdown." So he was like, "Very right. What's right in front of me? What can I focus on right now? It's right in front of me, not all the other stuff." And then you watch the, the rest of the game, and we, everybody knows what happens now. They came back, and there's the greatest, one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time, one of the best comebacks of all time. So it's like, I mean, it works for him, and he has what seven rings, and he's 45 and still playing. So I mean, learn from that. You know, we all remember the end of a great comeback, but often the beginning of a great comeback is just a little dink and dunk play. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember that game, the, the Falcons-Patriots game. The real catalyst of that comeback was actually a defensive play where I think it was, it was like first and 10, the Falcons were in the red zone, and Matt Ryan got chased out of the pocket and sacked. And it... I think it took them out of field goal range or something like that. It did. It did. No, you're hundred percent right. So they got into field goal range and yeah, they actually highlight that, that in the, in the episode that I'm talking about. It took them out. And it shows the players line and they're in Brady's talking. was like, we're like, Oh crap. Like they score again here. Like he, he, Brady even says, he's like, like, that's not going to be good. That's going to make this really, really difficult. Like not that it already wasn't like, but he's like, that's going to make it really, really tough to have an opportunity to come back. And then they got that sack and they're like, okay, like, here we go. So it, um, no, you, you're right. It was just that, you know, one play, one guy got in the back of the pocket and got, got a hold of Ryan and it changed the whole, all the momentum for the rest of that game. And that says so much because if you say to me, Tom Brady, 28, three Super Bowl champ, come back. I think of Brady with all the confetti holding up the Lombardi trophy. But really what started that was team is down 28 to three and on defense and someone sacks Matt Ryan. Like most people watching, even a diehard optimistic Patriots fan, 28, three, your team gets a sack. Like, Oh, great. Like, Ooh, yay! We got a sack. Yeah. Like, this is the greatest yeah. thing in the world. Like well, I'm that's how the majority of people would view it, you know? I was watching with some Patriots fans. I don't, I don't think they were like freaking out about this sack, but that ended up changing things. So there's another life lesson, right? What is your sack? You know, what's a little, what's a little sack that I can get today for myself. That might not be the sexiest thing in the world, but who knows sacks can lead to something special. And that's one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. Yeah, and it's it's we talk about the O for O, but that doesn't mean to overlook any successes you do have. I mean, the real feeling of true like true confidence, especially at the plate, is after you get a hit, whether it's a you know dying quail in shallow right center field or a ball that was hammered in the gap. It's you, you got to hold on to that feeling when you do have it, and if you don't, that's when you fake it till you make it. But it's I mean, you can have that O for O mentality, but hold on to those victories. You know, it's. Don't ever get too high. Don't ever get too low. You know, don't ride the roller coaster. We don't want to try and stay even keel as much as we can be, but um, allow yourself to enjoy those victories and, and hold on to them. Just don't let them go to your head because that's when you get humbled real quick in life and in sports. Enjoy, stay humble, O for O. A lot of insight from Zach Narrier. Hey, man, I appreciate you. You know, I'm always rooting for you. 
And whether you go 5 for 5 or 0 for 5, I'll challenge you. You're always 0 for 0. So I'll see you (laughs) next month in Chicago. Zach, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, Sam, and look forward to seeing you as well.